good morning, church family. Um, as I was started praying about what God wanted me to share, um, He was like, hey, I want you to continue on with something that you started about two weeks ago. Um, so any of you guys that heard me teach on Wednesday two weeks ago, you'll, you'll understand about half of what is here is from that. But the Lord just wanted me to add on to it, to build some, some foundational blocks on here um, because it's an important word that we have to understand. So we're going to jump right into this. Uh, this is the weapons of our warfare. You know, too many times we think we understand the weapons of our warfare. Um, and I want to make sure that when you leave here, when you walk out of this building, you understand the weapons that you're supposed to use. And that you're equipped to walk out of here and live according to what Scripture says. Uh, so the first thing that we're going to jump into um, is, you know, what, what do we fight with and how do we train? Um, and it's really, David is a perfect example of this. David gives a great physical example that we're going to move into a then spiritual example. Uh, but it's so good for us to have physical representations and physical understandings of spiritual principles because it just makes an easier connection. So let's jump into this physical um, example. This is 1 Samuel 17, 38-40. Then Saul clothed David with his armor. He put a bronze helmet on his head and clothed him with a coat of mail. And David strapped the sword over his armor. And he tried in vain to go, for he had not tested them. Then David said to Saul, I cannot go with these, for I have not tested them. So David put them off, and then he took up his staff in his hand and chose five smooth stones from the brook and put them in his shepherd's pouch. His sling was in his hand, and he approached the Philistine. So this is David before going into battle against Goliath, right? A giant. And so David tried on all of Saul's armor. What, who is Saul? Let's understand that first. Anybody? King, right? So if Saul's the king, and Saul said, here man, put on my armor. Put on what I've got. What's been given to me. Do you think that Saul's armor, Saul's sword, do you think it was of like, okay quality? Right? He's the king. His, this is top tier. This is the best of the best. So if you want to get into a fight, you want to go into war, you want the best of the best, right? You want what the king's got. Because the king's, I mean, his sword, man, it is Damascus, laminated steel, whatever the words are for it. He, he's got like, and his sword is something ferocious. His armor is something that's, I mean, this is, this is top tier. This is quality stuff. But what does David say? He says, I cannot go with these, for I have not tested them. I haven't tested them. What happens when we get into a situation with something we haven't tested? It, it can mess up, right? It could, it could fail at a catastrophic moment. So if David would have went out there with this armor and this sword and it looks real good and people are like man look at that dude like he's got the armor he's got the sword like he looks he fits the part 
he would have walked out there with something he had never tested, pulled his sword out and tried to... He would have failed. Right? And so... This is a physical example for us. We need to know how to use our spiritual weapons accurately, properly. We need to have tested them. Um, And so, let's look at his resume. This is the the good part. Because, like, he says, I haven't tested your stuff, but let's look at what David told Saul earlier. So this is just 1 Samuel 17, 33 through 37. So this is right before what I just read. But this is him giving his resume and saying, hey, listen, this is what I've done. Let me explain to you. And he did it with his weapons, the weapons that he had tested on this previous battlefield. And Saul said to David, you, you are not able to go against the Philistine to against this Philistine to fight with him, for he is but a, for you are but a youth, and he has been a man of war from his youth. But David said to Saul, this is where you need to pay attention, your servant used to keep the sheep for his father. And when the lion or a bear took a lamb from the flock, I went after him. I struck him down and delivered out of, out of his, it out of his mouth. And if it rose against me, I caught it by his beard and struck him and killed him. Your servant has struck down both lions and bears, and this uncircumcised Philistine shall be as one of them. For he has defied the armies of the living God. And David said, The Lord, the Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear will deliver me from the hand of this Philistine. And Saul said to David, Go, and the Lord be with you. So, you can see where he's tested it, right? He's got his shepherd's staff, he's got a sling, and he's got five smooth stones. I don't know about you guys, how many of you have ever seen a lion or a bear? How many of you had a piece of plexiglass that's like three and a half inches thick in between you and said giant creature of doom and destruction? Right? How many of you have ever been in the wild and you just like happened upon a lion? Right? What, what's most of our understanding when that happens? If I see a lion, just so you know, if I'm walking to my house from here and I see a lion, I'm running. They're big. They're scary. Like, it, I've, I've never tested a weapon against a lion or a bear. But he's struck down both the lion and the bear so he's tested them, right? There are things that he knows how to use. If any of you guys have ever killed a lion with a shepherd's staff and a sling, like, man, you guys are awesome. Like, tell me the story afterwards because I'd love to hear it. But like, he's tested his weapons. He knows for a fact these weapons are good and they're useful for killing the lion and the bear. And because of what the Lord has delivered me from them, the Lord will deliver me from this Philistine, right? So he's tested everything. He knows what it is. So do you think he's ever spent time with his weapons? You think he spent a little bit? Maybe. Just, just a lot of it. When he's out with the, sh- the sheep, right? He had his weapons with him all the time. I'm sure he picked up smooth stones all the time. He's throwing them. He's practiced with it. He's spent time with it. He had them from early in life. 
right? This isn't a weapon that he picked up when he was, you know, a week before he fought Goliath. No, this is a weapon that he has known since his childhood. This is a weapon that his father taught him how to use. Right? This is something that was taught to him. It wasn't just something that he found, he made, he created. This is the first sling ever used. This is something his father taught him. And so, this is the physical, right? So we see David with the physical. Now let's jump into where it brings back to the the spiritual. What is our weapon? This is the question we have to ask. Um, And so, if we look at 2 Corinthians 10.4, it says, For the weapons of our warfare are not of flesh, but have divine power to destroy strongholds. Alright, so our weapons aren't flesh. Um, And we need to understand that now that we know our weapons are not of the flesh, it's not the sling, it's not the shepherd's staff. Our weapons are something else. And Ephesians 6.17 says it exactly. The sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. So David went with the sling. We go with the Word of God. But we also have to understand that the Word of God, according to John 1.1, is Jesus. Okay? So we have Jesus, we have the Word of God, and those two things, they are our weapon alone. And when we use them and we spend time with them, we can walk into some situations that would shake most people, but it wouldn't shake us. So... We know that you need two things. You need a relationship with Jesus, all right? And you need to have a knowledge of God's Word. You have to have a knowledge of this. If this is not in your knowledge bank and you haven't read through and know this, um, well, I'm going to tell you guys another story. And this is a story about what it looks like to not know what your weapon is. This is what it looks like to walk into a battle and be like, I got the king's armor, I got his sword, I'm ready for this. Um, But they had never tested it. So let's jump into Acts 19, 11 through 17. And God was doing extraordinary miracles by the hands of Paul, so that even handkerchiefs or aprons that had touched his skin were carried away to the sick and their diseases left them, and evil spirits came out of them. Then some of the inerrant Jews, Jewish exorcists, undertook to invoke the name of the Lord Jesus over those who had evil spirits, saying, I adjure you by the Jesus whom Paul proclaims. Who Paul proclaims. They don't know Jesus. They don't know their weapon. All right? Seven sons of a Jewish high priest named Sceva were doing this. But the evil spirit answered them, (laughs) I love it, Jesus I know, Paul I recognize, but who are you? So they just tried to pull a weapon that they had never, never used. They didn't know. They were not familiar with. Jesus I know, Paul I recognize, but who are you? And the man whom was the evil spirit leapt on them, mastered all of them, and overpowered them, so that they fled out of the house naked 
and wounded. And this became known to all the residents of Ephesus, both Jews and Greeks. And fear fell upon them all, and the name of the Lord was extolled. So we see David knows how to use his weapon. And he didn't choose a weapon he didn't know. But these seven sons, they saw a weapon and they were like, man, that, that's powerful. It can do all that? That's, that's amazing. So they see what it can do. They see that it's sharp. They, they see that, man, that, that dude Paul, he knows how to use that. And crazy stuff was happening. But then they tried to use it without understanding the Word, without understanding who Jesus is. Okay? So they, we've got to be in that same place um, where we walk into a fight, not like them. They walked into a fight not knowing who God is or understanding God's Word. Um, it's, the culture we live in today, it's really easy for us to know about people, right? How many of you guys know what social media is? We all do. But when we get on social media, what happens? When you get on Facebook, you look up one of your friends from back in the day, or you're like, man, my favorite movie star, Hugh Jackman. A dude. I love Hugh Jackman, okay? I think he's awesome. I've watched movies he's been in, I listen to songs that he sings. And I feel like I know him, right? I care about him. And I'm invested in his life. But is that true? Or is that false? Is that a counterfeit relationship? And too many times we get into this place where we have these counterfeit relationships with people where we look online and we look through social media and we swipe through and we see all of these things. We might read it in a magazine. We might see them on TV. There's all of these different ways that we can come into a counterfeit relationship with somebody, which isn't good. It happens very often, but it's not good. But what happens when we do that same thing with Jesus? What happens when we come into that place of saying, you know what, I, I know about Jesus. I know what He does. Like I've seen His, his posts of His woodworking. You know, I saw that meal that He made the other day with the fish and the loaves. Like that's cool. Like I know about Jesus. I know who He is. But is it a real relationship? Or is it a counterfeit one? Because one, you walk into a battle and you get wrecked. The other, you walk into the battle and you come out unscathed. So it's too easy for us to get to that place of thinking that we know Jesus. Only realizing we know about Jesus and He doesn't know us. Uh, Matthew seven twenty one through 23 says that not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. But the one who does the will of the Father who is in heaven. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name? Did we not cast out demons in your name? And do many mighty works in your name? 
And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. It's too easy for us to get in a place of, of having these counterfeit relationships. And we have to take things into check constantly so that we know who Jesus is, that we're connecting with his heart. Um, the, the like best thing that can happen when we have a counterfeit relationship with, with Jesus, the best outcome is for us to get whooped in a house and flee naked. That's the best outcome. Because at least then we can walk away from that situation and step into a real relationship with Jesus. An actual relationship with Jesus. The worst outcome would to hear God say, depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. So we have to take these and we have to look at understanding who Jesus is in a full relationship with Him and really having a full working understanding of this Word and not just taking one Bible verse and being like, oh, I know this one Bible verse. Um, Let's look at a perfect example, a good example. You know, we've looked at the physical good example where David chose the weapons that he knew. We see the seven sons of Sceva who did not know their weapon. They walked in and got wrecked. And now let's look at Jesus, because he's a perfect example in all things that he does. Um, So we're going to read through about 11 verses. Um, Just follow along with me. This is Matthew 4, 1 through 11. Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. But after fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry And the tempter came and said to him, If you are the Son of God, command these stones to become loaves of bread. But he answered, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him to the holy city and set him on the pinnacle of the temple. And he said to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down. For it is written. He will command His angels concerning you, and on their hands they will bear you up, lest you strike your foot against a stone. And then Jesus answered, Again, it is written, You shall not put the Lord your God to the test. Again, the devil took Him to a very high mountain and showed Him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. And He said to Him, All this I will give you if you fall down and worship me. And then Jesus said to him, Be gone, Satan, for it is written, You shall worship the Lord your God, and and Him only shall you serve. Then the devil left him, and behold, angels came and ministered to him. So let's break this down. First thing that Satan says is, Hey man, just turn these stones into loaves of bread. You're hungry. You haven't eaten for 40 days. Just, just turn these in. He says, no. What's Jesus' response? He says, he's quoting Deuteronomy here, by the way. He says, it, no, it's written that man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of the Father. So we see it's, it, Jesus, the first thing that he does when the enemy comes against him is he picks the Scripture up, right? He picks up the weapon that he knows. 
He is in an intimate relationship with God's Word. And so his response is, no, it's written. It is written. It's right here. You want, you want, I can show it to you. Boom. This, there you go, Satan. You can't, he can't fight this. Okay? He can't. But then what does the devil do? Verse 5. And the devil took him to the holy city, set him on the pinnacle, and said to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down. For it is written. Wait a second. The devil said that. Do you think that the devil doesn't have knowledge of this also? He knows it. Okay? And if you don't have a full understanding of this, the enemy will take something, one word out of here, and he'll twist it just enough. It's true. This is true. But when you take it out of the context of what it was written, who it was written to, oh man, you can manipulate and twist this word to say anything you want it to. And the enemy will do that all the time. All the time. So you have to know your weapon. You cannot... Just think, well, I, you know, I know this one. I memorized that one. What is it? John 3.16. That's the one I've got. It's my only... Woo! I got that weapon. But the devil will come against you and say, oh, but it's also written. And then we'll be like, oh, oh yeah, you're right. It is written. That's I ta- I've, Yeah. And then we take that one verse and the enemy's just twisted us, manipulated us into not actually being in relationship with Jesus. Jesus' response to him, yet again, is, again, it is written. So when the enemy comes against you with your weapon, the weapon that God gave to you, all right, God's Son that went to the cross for you, we have to respond with His Word. And we have to be able to combat that. So we have to have this full working knowledge of God's Word and Jesus Christ full relationship with Him. Alright? It's too easy, too easy for us to let the enemy take us by surprise. Because we'll think we understand. And and I promise you, any of you guys who are listening to the sound of my voice right now, and you're like, yeah, I totally understand the Word. If you believe that, you might want to Rethink that. Um, Because I promise you this, the only person, the only people that have full, intimate knowledge of this word, the only people, are people who are dead and are hanging out with Jesus right now. Because they're they're just going around Him. The angels go around Him constantly. Holy, 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 holy. And And they do that because God is so unfathomable. We are so limited in our understanding. The more that you learn about this Word, the more you'll realize you don't know. I went to Bible college thinking, I'm going to come out of here, I'm going to be a scholar, I'm going to be knowing all this stuff. It's going to be awesome. And guess what? I walked out of college with a degree that said, yeah, you got a degree in Bible and theology and youth ministry. And I was like, yeah, Bible and theology and youth ministry. All they taught me is I don't know anything. That's what they taught me. They, I mean, look, we read through the whole thing. I, I had great classes and I learned so much. But by learning all of this stuff about God's Word, 
I just learned I didn't know enough. None of us do. And so we have to take this on a a day-to-day basis and we have to be in His Word. We have to spend time with our weapon. So, how do we get to know our weapon? I think Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 4 through 9, I think this gives us a really solid understanding of how we get to know God's Word. How we get to know Jesus. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your might. And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children. And shall talk of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, when you rise up. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand. And they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. And you shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. That's it. Deuteronomy gives us a good understanding of what it looks like to spend time in God's Word. And let it be the thing that when we are walking by the way, that's what's coming out of our mouth. We're talking about God's Word. Um, One of the things I love about this, this verse, for all you parents, listen to this. You shall teach them diligently to your children diligently. Any of you who have kids, whether they're three days old, whether they're 55 years old, it doesn't matter. Teach God's Word diligently to them. My mom and my dad would put Bible verses on the mirror in my bathroom. So every morning when I would get up and I would brush my teeth, I either had to look at my ugly mug or I had these Bible verses that were lined up against the edge of my mirror. And so I was able to look at them and read them. Okay? They they were on my doorpost. My wife does the same thing. I walk into my bathroom and there's Bible verses all over. And and listen... Put it on the doorpost of your home. As you sit down, as you walk by the way, as you, as you lie down, as you rise up, in every environment that we're in, we're supposed to be in relationship with this. With Jesus. With God's Word. Alright? That's where we're supposed to be. But too many times... We just think, well, I'll read it during my Bible study. It's, uh, I'll do my five-minute devotion every morning. And I, if, I'm, if I was you, I would not want to go to battle with something that I spend five minutes a day with. I would want to understand my weapon thoroughly. For any of you that were in the military or, or are in the military, you understand that there's a weapon that you have and you know how to take it apart, you know how to clean it, right? Anybody? You, you'd know how to use that. 
Because you were trained in that. You went through basic training with, a, with this weapon. And we as Christians need to sometimes go back into basic training with our weapon. It's never too late to just get that basic and foundational understanding of God's Word. Because it's so vital. Because when we understand His Word, when we know His Word, when it becomes part of our everyday life, our moment-to-moment, then we can use it. Use it to the fullness that it, it is designed for. My question to you is, are you confident in God's Word as your first choice when a battle comes? When the enemy comes against you, is God's Word the first thing that you pick up? Or is it maybe your second or third choice? Too many times we get there and we realize we're in a battle too late. We, we are like, oh, i got to catch up now. The battle has shown up, now I've got to catch up and I need to get my word and I need to jump into it, but you're not trained in it. You're trying to train in the battle. It's not the way to fight. The only way to fight is to know your weapon before you step into the fight. I don't know about you guys, but we're in a battle now. Right? There's all of this stuff that's going on that's shaking things constantly whether it's with your work or with your home life or or whatever, the divorce rate's on a climb right now. It's outrageous because people are stuck in a home with their spouse that they haven't had to sit with. They've used work as an avenue to escape. They haven't spent time with their weapon. It's their second or third choice And my question to you is, what weapon have you been using lately? As we're sitting in this battle, in this season of warfare, what weapon have you chose? Was it Netflix? Was that the weapon that you decided to use? Or was it sitting in and just listening to the news? Was it listening to other people? Maybe it's just giving up. Hopelessness overflowing you. And you just, you've given up at this point. Maybe it's sports. You watch sports so that you can numb and dull what's going on. And it's become the weapon that you use to fight because you can't feel the fight if you're numb. Could it even be serving in ministry? What is distracting you from God? What's the weapon that you think you understand and you look at and you want to use it to fight? There's too many things that the world has for us that we can walk into and it can be a weapon, but not a good one. It's not a weapon that's going to help you as you step in to the fight. The only way to fight is to pick up God's Word. The only way to be prepared for this season, for the next season, is to get in God's Word. 
So take the time to look into God's Word, to lean in, to pray, because this is it. Okay? All of us need to lean in. It doesn't matter what your education is, what your knowledge of Scripture is right now. You don't know it all yet. We just all need to lean in a little bit. Lean into God's Word. Because there's so much in there. It's so deep. You look at everything that Jesus did in Matthew, and when the enemy came against Him, he, Jesus knew the Word. And He was able to quote three different Bible verses to combat what the enemy was bringing against Him. I promise you, Jesus didn't just know those three. Jesus knew all of it. In, in that culture, the first five books of the Bible were memorized by every male. Every man was supposed to memorize the Torah. The first five books. How many of you have memorized the first five books of the Bible? I don't know if you noticed, my hand is not up. But that was the, the basic training for children. Was to memorize five books of the Bible. The first five. So you can tell in, their, in the culture back then, they took this a lot more seriously than we do. And I'm, I'm speaking to me, okay? Don't, don't hear me trying to beat you over the head with the Bible. I just want you to be prepared. Prepared for when the enemy comes against you and says, hey, you know what? You, you've got coronavirus. You've got cancer. You've got this, you've got that. A family member just died. You're dealing with and, and wrestling with depression. You're dealing with and wrestling with this or that. Take whatever's going on in your life now and interject it there. Because we all have something. Take God's Word. Pick it up. Open it up. Read it. I encourage you, if, you don't, if, if you've got it in your head where you're like, I don't know what I'm supposed to do where I'm supposed to pick up, how am I supposed to start. An easy thing, jump into a small group. Because our small groups all function in this. If you don't want to jump into a small group, I encourage you just to pick up one of the Gospels. Read through it. Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John. Just start there. It's as easy as that. Don't, don't do the... Ha-ha! I'm going to read in Job today, chapter 9, verse 16. Don't do that. Pick one spot, pick, pick a place, and just start reading. If you're not going to pick up one of the Gospels, start in Genesis. Everything that you read throughout Scripture, from the beginning to the end, points to one person, Jesus. You might question, wait, what? how, how does Leviticus... 
How does Leviticus point to Jesus? It does, I promise you. I had this conversation with Bill Dingle one time, and I was like, I don't know how people can preach and use Leviticus. I don't, it just doesn't make any sense to me. It seems like a useless book. This was my ignorance. And then like a week later, Bill, <laughs> he's like, I'm going to be preaching from Leviticus. I'm like, are you kidding me? What do you mean? How do you preach from Leviticus? And then watching him, starting to understand everything in Leviticus, everything in the books of the law, they point to Jesus. It all points to Jesus. If you've got a question about how it points to Jesus, come talk to me. I'd love to help you with it. I'd love to walk with you through it. But we have to have a full working knowledge of this book. It is our weapon. It is the only weapon we need to choose. So I, I encourage you today, as I close, to take time and examine your life. Examine what you have been using as a weapon. It's too easy for me to get to a place where I get absorbed into something and it becomes the weapon that I fight with. And I forget that the weapon I'm supposed to fight with is God's Word. And, and listen, it doesn't have to be a bad thing. But it's not God. There can be really good things that we need to set down because it's a distraction from God's Word. I've, I've in my Personally, in my life, I've picked up many weapons that led me away from what was good. It's not that they were bad, but they weren't gods. They were just things that I'd picked up. And so, take that away. Just walk away from here asking that question. God, what am I fighting with right now? Be candid with yourself and, and truly listen to what God has to say about your, your heart and the weapon that you've been using. Just see what He has to say. And when He shows it, He shows you what weapon you've been using, ask Him to help you put that weapon down and then pick up this weapon. We don't need to live outside of God's Word. It needs to be everything that we do, everything that we touch. You can do other things. I'm not telling you 24-7, 365, you need to read God's Word. But if it's not a part of your life in every moment, are we really, is this really the weapon that we use? Anytime I watch a movie, I walk away from the movie and I'm like, man, did you see Jesus in that? People are like, are you kidding me? That was a terrible movie. I was like, no, no, no. But Jesus was in this character. Did you see the way that he pursued his bride? That's it. Every moment, everything that we do has to be in pursuit of knowing God and knowing Jesus. I wrote a paper in college and it was on where I saw the gospel in a movie. And the movie that I chose was, some would say, a violent movie. A very um, grotesque movie. 
not a good movie. I'm not going to say the name because you guys would judge me. Um, but I, I wrote a paper on this movie because I saw Jesus in it. Because I'd started learning what it looks like to when you sit down and when you stand up and you, when you walk. I started realizing everything needs to be pointing me to Jesus. And everything does point us to Jesus. We just have to look for it. And so I wrote a paper on a movie just about a guy in his pursuit of his bride. And he killed a lot of people on the way. But I think Jesus does the same. Jesus is pursuing his bride, and we are his bride. Everything that we do has to lead us towards Christ. Let me pray. God, we just ask, Lord, that your words would stand out. God, that anything that was of me, God, you cast that to the side. And anything that was of you, God, we just ask that you let those words be those that sit in our heart. God, bring us closer to you and your word. Show us your kingdom in everywhere that we go. Lord, we just ask that you would show us what our, what's on our doorpost. God, we love you and we thank you for today. Amen.